shall never this covenant remove. His name shall stand Grace, peace, and mercy to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. The two texts today from Isaiah and the Gospel from Luke. Please be seated. Well, brothers and sisters, there he is again. He's teaching and preaching, and this time his pulpit is a boat. He takes every opportunity to teach and preach, even while the fishermen disciples are washing their nets. Oh, and speaking of fishermen, or fishing, we're not talking about recreational fishing here. We're talking about life and live life depending on fishing. Always challenging and grueling fishing was in the ancient world. After all, you're at the mercy of the wind, the waves, the weather, and of course you're at the mercy of the irregularity of the fish. <laughs> uh, you know this, but I have to say it. In those days, they didn't have sonar fish finders or depth detectors. They had to rely on experience and instinct, and as they said when I was growing up in Wyoming, a lot of dumb luck. Now the night before, the disciples had no luck at fishing. They'd fished all night, and they were shut out. They were blanked. They were skunked. And you can just imagine how weary and tired they are an entire night of casting and throwing the nets with absolutely nothing to show for it. So I don't know about you, but I've seen it. There's nothing like grumpy and tired fishermen as they clean their nets and then try to catch some sleep. That's when the preacher Jesus shows up and has the gall to commandeer Simon's fishing boat to preach or to use as a makeshift pulpit. When the sermon is over, and did you notice that Luke doesn't tell us what Jesus taught? Wouldn't you like to know? When the sermon's over, Jesus turns to Peter, and he has the audacity to bark out, let's go fishing. Put the boat out into the deep water and let down your nets for a catch. Did you catch a command and a promise? Put out the boat, let down your nets, and what's the promise? There's going to be a catch. Now. Uh, if I'm one of those fishermen standing there, I look at my buddies and I say, who does this preacher think he is? He doesn't know anything about fishing. Swinging a hammer, sawing wood, sanding a board. Yeah, sure, I'll grant him that, but a fisherman he ain't. After all, fishermen know that it's easier to fish where? With nets, in the shallows rather than the deep. And fishermen know that you wait until nightfall when the fish come up to the shallows to feed, you don't cast your nets into the deep water at midday. That's a complete waste of time. That's a complete waste of energy. Master, we worked hard all night. We didn't catch a thing. That sounds like a lack of trust in who? In Jesus. Now, at this point, would you trust Jesus? Would you trust his word? Peter does. He trusts Jesus' word, and Jesus teaches Peter to trust his word. At your word, Peter says, I will let down the nets. Peter trusts our Lord's promise over and against all of his experience, 
over and against all his skill and fishing know-how. Peter has absolutely no good reason to let out the nets in the daylight, in the deep water, except for what reason? Jesus said so. No doubt you remember Peter remembered what? That had taken place recently. That Jesus healed his mother-in-law from the deadly fever with a word. Now, this really, I think, is the heart of the, the miracle of this account. Namely, that faith takes Jesus at his word. Just like the servants at Cana's wedding feast. Remember that? What did Mary tell the servants? You do whatever he says. Do whatever he tells you. And so they did. They filled those clay jugs with water, and they dispensed the best wedding wine ever to the guests. They took Jesus at his, at his word. So down go the nets into the deep water. And what happens? Well, this is what happens. Fish swim into the nets like moths drawn to the light. Their nets are so full of fish that they begin to tear. The boats begin to sink under the weight of all the fish. And for a moment at least, Peter and the rest of the fishermen probably began to think this, man, this is awesome. This preacher is the ultimate fish finder. We could be on easy street for the rest of our life. But Peter, he sees all the wiggling, flopping mass of fish in the boat and he looks at Jesus. And this big, tough fisherman, what does he do? He falls to his knees in humility. And he says, depart from me, for I'm a sinful man, O Lord. That's how faith talks as well. Peter, he recognizes that he stands in the presence of a holy God. And he recognizes that in Jesus, this holy God has become one of us and now stands in his midst. He knows that Jesus is the Lord of creation, whom the wind and the waves, and yes, even the fish obey. Peter knows his sinfulness. Sinfulness. It wasn't just a matter of sins, like a coarse word here and there, or fights with his brothers, or the bickering with his wife and who else? Perhaps his mother-in-law. Maybe his greed for gain, his discouragement over a fruitless night of throwing the nets, or whatever. He doesn't simply say, I have sinned, but he says, I'm a sinful man. That's what he is. And that's what you and I are as well. And same with the prophet Isaiah. He made the same confession when he had a vision of the Lord sitting upon his throne, surrounded by those mysterious six-winged creatures called seraphim, fire angels, literally. That must have been an amazing vision. Not only to see, but hear their eternal worship. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. The sound of it shook the foundations of the temple under Isaiah's feet as the smoke of incense filled that place. Now Isaiah knew what that meant for him. Woe is me, he said, for I am lost. I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell among a people of unclean lips. Yeah, Isaiah knew that as a sinner, he may not look on God and live. He knew what he was, a sinner whose lips and life were anything but pure and holy. And there he is, standing in the presence of the most holy God. But the Lord of hosts is gracious and merciful, slow to anger, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. 
And so what happens? A fire angel, a seraphim, takes a burning coal from the incense altar. And what's he do with it? He touches Isaiah's lips. Did it hurt? Isaiah doesn't say. But this is gospel fire, like the burning bush that did not burn that Moses saw. This is a fire that purifies the unclean, that declares the sinner righteous, that speaks the absolving word. Your guilt is taken away, and your sin, it's atoned for. This is how a sinner can now stand in the presence of the holy and the almighty and live to tell about it. Yeah, your guilt must be taken away. Your sin must be paid for. It must be atoned. This Jesus then, who stands in the boat on the Sea of Galilee, he's the, he's the atoning sacrifice. He's the guilt bearer. He's the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, yours and mine. We are indeed people of unclean lips and lives. A string of broken commandments, ten of them, is the evidence against all of us. And all we can do is what? All we can do is what Isaiah and Peter did. Admit it, own it, confess it. We are sinful and unclean in our thoughts, our words, and our deeds. In what we do, no matter how noble it is. In what we don't do, no matter how justifiable it might seem to us. Sinful and unclean. Simon knew it, Isaiah knew it, and now we know it as well. We know that things aren't right with us, whether in our lips or in our lives. And no matter how hard we try, we just can't fix it. Well, brothers and sisters, Christ does for you here what he did for Isaiah in the temple that day a long time ago. He baptizes you with the fire of the Holy Spirit. He burnishes your lips with the hot coal of forgiveness in the form of his body given to death to save you and his blood shed for you as the atoning sacrifice for your sins. Jesus puts the word of forgiveness, the word of absolution into your ears, which are the doorway to the heart. Faith comes by hearing that word of God. By that word, sinners can now stand in the presence of God, share a boat with him, and a catch of fish. They can also serve him in his kingdom. Simon Peter thought he was unworthy, and he was right, and he was, he was wrong. In himself, he was unworthy to be in the same boat with Jesus. But he was also wrong. Jesus made him worthy, declared him to be worthy to be in the same boat with him. And brothers and sisters, this is precisely what Jesus did for us by Good Friday lay dying for you. Jesus got in the same boat with all of us, our boat, namely our flesh and blood. Jesus, the Lord of all creation and the creator, became a creature, a man. And the Lord over the law, he put himself under the law, obedient to death on a cross to save all of us. Yes, he got into our boat to bring us into his boat, the ark of his salvation, the church, the place where we were kept safe from the flood of God's wrath. Well, at the end of the story, Jesus tells Peter, now you don't be afraid anymore. From now on, you will be catching men. You will be catching men. No longer would the apostles be hunting down fish with nets. Now they would be netting people for the kingdom of God. Fishing for men. Casting out the net of our Lord's death and resurrection far and wide. In the most likely places and in the most unlikely places. In the shallows but also in the deep. And trusting the word and the wisdom of the Lord Jesus Christ. His way, not ours. 
His time, not our time. His word and his ways. Baptism, the preaching of the gospel, absolution, the Lord's Supper. Snatching sinners out of the depths of death, hell, and giving them life, freedom, and heaven. Don't be afraid either, brothers and sisters. Oh, seriously, don't be afraid. Because why? Because you've been fished. You've been caught in the net of the gospel, the net of our Lord's death and resurrection. There's nothing more safe than that. There's nothing more secure, and there's nothing more certain. Happy living in that net. In the name of Jesus, amen.